Ya perdí el miedo ancestral
I'm ready. Yay! Hi, and welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman. I'm joined here by Baruch Paras Hernandez. Hello, thanks Hello. for being here. Oh, I am so excited to be here. It's so good to see you. Yeah, Yay. you too. I'm ready. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about, and we already have been talking. Let's talk. And I also wanted to thank you for introducing me to Miyamo Sebastian. Miyamo Sebastian. He is amazing. Love him. He's from Chile. Everybody buy his music, support his work. If you're rich, fly him here to the U.S. and pay him a lot of money. Money to do concerts because he is going to take over the world. It's excellent. <laughs> and we were we were talking about the videos that that uh, Sebastian has made as well, and mm-hmm. they seem pretty vivid. I thought we could maybe just go right into that if that's yeah. Well, uh, what I'm, I discovered him a while ago, back I think in like 2015. Um, a friend of mine named Yosimar Reyes, who is an incredible activist, writer, and performer. Um, uh, immigrant like me, uh, basically like he's younger than me, but I always say like, oh, I want to be like Yossi Marreyes when I <laughs> grow up because his career has like exploded and he's everywhere and he's a, literally an immigrant icon, rightfully so, because his writing's incredible, but most importantly, his performance when he's on stage, you can't take your eyes off of him and he's just so funny. Um, so, uh, he posted on his wall, on his Facebook mm-hmm. wall, you know, Hey everybody, check this out. I just discovered this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a video about the color pink mm-hmm. and it was about, it was just a really beautiful video in Chile. All these boys trying to, it was like a video discussing their relationship to feminine things mm. and makeup and, um, I think it's called Niños Rosados, which means boys in pink, which is funny because in, in Chile that means <laughs> boys in pink, but in Mexico, rosado means you have a, a rash. So, oh. <laughs> so I was like, oh God, what is this song about? <laughs> but then I realized, oh, oh, because the, the name for pink is rosa, mm-hmm. and in Mexico it is rosa, yeah. but if you're wearing pink, you just say en rosa, okay, or wearing rosa, but I guess in Chile it's rosado. Huh. Um, but for us, it's like a baby has a, a, a rash. <laughs> like you just changed a baby, and you know, you know. So, anywho, that's nothing to do with the video. Uh, I just thought the video was beautiful, and then I just discovered more of his music. And one of them is called "Baila uh, Baila Como Hombre," and it's like a song that like chants all the things queer little boys are told mm-hmm. when they're little, and it's him going through all of that, and it's describing all the little boys that are trying to shine in front of their dads, and yeah. even he talks about in the song, I could be getting all of this wrong, um, it's just off memory, in the song he's like, I was trying to play baseball or sports, and my dad was like telling me how to walk and how to talk and how to, um, uh, you know, do stuff, and uh, and then I guess he talks about himself and his dad, and he's like, my dad was happy that I wanted to be a singer, mm-hmm. but he was telling me how to sing, and then the more I let myself enjoy my voice, he suddenly started screaming, what are you doing? Don't sing like a faggot. <laughs> like, um, and then halfway through the song, he switches to, we should tell queer people to sing like f- uh, fire, to sing like the wind, to sing like um, uh, like a storm. And it just is, it's just such a beautiful song. And I think, I believe somebody in a park was attacked and murdered for being queer and looking effeminate. Um 
And so they redid the song and performed it right. They did this like queer, which I feel a lot of queer artists are doing here or have tried to do here. They took a place where something horrible had happened and they tried to um, cleanse the space or bless the space by redoing the entire video Mm -hmm. with the entire community right where it had happened and so you can find the video on youtube it's really great and then they say the person's name who was Mm -hmm. murdered um yeah it's really yeah he's really smart another person another queer latino that i'm like i want to be like him when i grow up but he's also younger than me so i guess sometimes instead of being inspired by these amazing queer latinos i just feel like an old sack of shit (laughs) i mean i feel like if if anything it's like by existing and being alive like and paving the way in ways that we might not ever know younger generations are safer to come out and create the art that they do. Mm, Very true. Yeah. 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 I mean, I hope, I I hope I'm doing something to make little queer babies, little queer babies and like little older queer babies, like the person talking right now who are really inspired by your work. Well, I don't remember. You're younger than me, right? How old are you? You're like, I'm 39. Oh, you're 30. Wow. That is crazy. You look great. I'm 38. I feel like I'm 88. I feel like in gay years, I'm 108. Like I feel, yeah, I feel like I'm mistaken first. I still get, I don't go out to drink every now, but like every now and then if I go to a bar and I'm carded, I'm like, okay, first of all, I don't drink. Second of all, (laughs) I am almost 40. Um, Oh, but I I feel older. Like in some Mm. ways, like I feel young. I mean, that's a whole other thing is like how what people perceive us to be and then how we mm-hmm. feel. And I feel like also just emotionally, I feel really old. Like mm-hmm. not that I'm not immature at times cause I'm still working on a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but I feel like I'm an old soul and just have yeah. a lot of just been around a while. Yeah. I feel like a lot of us generation X queers and the queers older than generation X, uh, ha- had to grow up like a lot faster. Yeah. And I, I could be wrong, but I feel like everything just, was supposed to happen faster because I remember just having this like, oh God, I better, I better alert everything because I'm not get killed at any moment. Mm. You know, we're like, uh, you know, everyone was telling us like, well, the second you touch a dude and have butt sex, you're going to get AIDS and mm. die. So I just remember this feeling of like having to live so much faster and like mm. grab onto every moment and grow up as fast as you can because everyone above me told me, the second you come out, you're going to have to leave your family. Mm. Um, not everyone is like that, but they yeah. were like, uh, like the path is you have to come out. There's no way to grow up unless you come out. And once you come out, your family might leave you, yeah. but you are going to grow up so much faster and quicker and better. And a lot of the older gays were like, it's going to be painful, yeah. but it's okay. It's almost perfect. It's like, instead of, uh, I feel like a lot of older gay guys were trying to cheer me up, yeah. you know, because I was like, I'm really close to my family. I don't want to lose my family. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, yes, but also it's almost like a, there's a freedom to it. Mm-hmm. You can see it as a tragedy or you can see it as a freedom. Do you want to be a 32 year old dude still living at his mother's house? Cause he hasn't found a wife or whatever. Cause mm-hmm. there's at the time that was very stereotypical. There was a lot of Latino men who were still living with their moms and wouldn't leave until they got married. And, um, or do you want to like fly from the nest and fly mm-hmm. and learn how to fly on yourself by yourself and not need your parents? Excuse me. One of my older friends even said he felt that his parents respected him more mm. because, they did see that he didn't need them Mm. and they saw that he didn't need their approval and they were expecting him to like, you know, become this like wretched old bitter gay guy who would die slowly of AIDS. And 
uh, and he didn't. He like thrived, and so they kind of were like, "Oh shit, uh, we actually really respect you a little more since you kind of told us to fuck off." Uh, with good reasons. Yeah. I have a lot of older friends who, you know, it's just so wonderful to hear about all these parents that are like, our son came out, he's five. Yeah. We oh, support yeah. him fully compared to my older friends who were like, I haven't seen my dad since I was 16. He mm-hmm. said he wished that I would die. And that was it. Mm. And then he passed away. All I got was a a text from yeah. a cousin. You know, it's just amazing how much that changed. But yeah, this. so I feel like that kind of, sort of happened to me in in a very long way uh you know long story short (laughs) i feel like my parents in their own way have said we admire how independent you became when we were like well if you're gonna do this we're not gonna help you Mm -hmm. and you were kind of like okay fuck off yeah and now you still don't need our help and we kind of find that admirable compared to their friends' kids who are 40, 39, 45, and they're still struggling. I mean, my dad's coworker, she pays her son's rent and wow. gives him an allowance, 500 bucks a month, wow. to quote-unquote help him. And he is a straight man and, and has no disabilities. Like, she's had him tested, mm. no disabilities, no PTSD, was never in the army, has, doesn't have any trauma. Yeah. The guy just, I don't know, who knows what's going on with him. But, like, she, you know, I'll, uh, my dad will have conversations with this coworker, and yeah. she'll be like, wait, what did Baruch do? He helped you with that? Ugh, must be nice. Ugh. And so I sometimes joke, and I'm like, well, tell her that, I, you know, for 500 bucks a month, I'll go to her house and be the nicest son she's ever had. <laughs> she wants to pay my rent. I will send her cards, yeah. flowers, you know, whatever she needs. Because yeah. I've also heard a rumor this guy's not that nice to her. But oh, anywho. No. <laughs> wow. uh, but yeah, Miguel Sebastian is uh, fantastic. And I completely forgot what we were talking oh, about. It's, it's all tied together. I mean, it's about <laughs> growing up queer or oh, any right. identity related to that, I think, and generations. And yeah. what ha- I mean, it's so much has changed a lot. And that, that brings me up to, I mentioned it a while ago on the program when Ellen was sitting with W mm. and then everyone started giving her shit. And then there was this mm. whole debate as to like, well, she did so much for the gay community. And then also, well, yeah. And she's also spending time with war criminals and excusing them for their behavior. Yeah. So you can, I think simultaneously be like, it's great what she did with the show. And also now that she has a platform and all this wealth, she's not really contributing to take risks or Oof. not even taking risk. I mean, how like, it's a pretty clear, I mean, it's like, he's a pretty obvious war crime. I don't know. That's so, so weird. But I That's think about such just, a, a weird universe we live in yeah. where one minute you're like, this woman is getting death threats yeah. just for saying she's gay right. on her own show in the nineties. Yeah. And it was people, I think a lot of young people forget what a yeah. giant deal it, it was, was back then. Yeah. Literally like businesses stopped. Like my old gay friend said that some bars literally stop what they're doing to mm-hmm. show the, the episode yes. where she was supposed to come out and everybody yeah. was like at the edge of their seat and people were crying. Yeah. I remember my mother before I, this is before I came out to her cause my parents were never that homophobic. I mean, they were like, traditionally Mexican Catholic conservative, but they, you know, it was really weird to have parents who were like, um, if we ever hear you call someone a faggot, you will be dead to us. How dare you? Gay people Mm. are beautiful. Mm. But then they were like, if you ever tell us you're gay, we will die. Mm. We will kill ourselves. And then a 
demon will come and, and kill us again, and then we will forever burn, and you will burn, and the whole world will burn, and if you're gay, we will cry forever and drown. It was just the weirdest <laughs> double. Like, wait, I, I remember being like, wait, 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 which one is it? Because yeah. <laughs> you guys have gay friends, and you're nice to lesbians, but you just don't want me to be gay. What is going on here? But yeah, even my parents, um, my mother mostly was like, you need to watch this show because that brave woman mm. is going to do something that's going to change the world. And I'm so proud of her mm. and worried for her. Yeah. And I remember just being like, Oh, this is maybe this means I can come out to my yeah. mother someday. It didn't. I, I came out to her and it was like the world exploded and you know, uh, there was hell to pay and there was fire and a lot of, a lot of uh, dramatic weeping. Um, but, uh, but yeah, one minute she's a hero and yeah. then one minute she's hanging out with a, one of the worst presidents we've ever had. That's and that so says a lot because there are a lot of really bad presidents. I mean, so strange, yeah. Yeah. right? It's so weird. Yeah. Weird, 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 yeah. weird, weird. I, I felt like when that happened on the internet, I didn't know what to say or who, which team to to join. And mm-hmm. the ones I mostly um, related with were the people, and everybody hates these people, the people who were like, you know, uh, humans are never going to be just a villain or just a hero. Mm-hmm. They're going to make horrible mistakes, even if they've done heroic things. And then, of course, the internet was like, fuck you. How yeah. dare you disagree with us? We hope you kill yourself. And it's like, oh, oh gosh. Yeah, I feel like the internet has a lot of them. Um, there's that old fable, Aesop's fable, where there's the land animals went to war with the sky animals uh-huh. and it was like the eagles and the condors and like even the even the butterflies were like fuck the land animals uh-huh. and the lions and the elephants were like no fuck you guys and there was like this weird war and the bat who was like well i'm kind of you know i like being on land sometimes because i'm a mammal but i yeah. also like flying yeah um, was like, I kind of like both sides. And the duck was like, look, bitch, me too, but I mostly fly, so I'm joining a side. You have to pick a side. Oh. The duck was like, you have to pick a side, or when there is a winner, you will be seen as a traitor. Oh. And the bat was like, no, I kind of am going to follow my gut. So in one war, he was with the... uh bird side yeah but then the birds started doing shady things and he was like that's fucked up so he joined the animal side yeah sorry the land animals yeah. and the land animals were like mm, we thought you were with the birds but okay you're gonna help us win this but then the animals started like eating the birds oh and no i was like hey that's that's not cool so he joined the bird side anyway finally the land animals and the bird animals decide to have a truce. Uh-huh. They're like, the war's over. Yeah. We've declared peace. Yeah. We're all going to get along. Okay. And the bat was like, ugh, it's about time, y'all. Yeah. And then they were like, no, fuck you. You never picked a side. That means you're spineless, and that means you're weak, and you're a coward. And they cast him out. And the poor bat was like, but, but, what, what? And they were like, no. From now on, you must live in shame and in the darkness and in the caves. And the Aesop fable was like, and that's why to this day, bats live in caves, because you should always pick a side. And I remember being little and reading that and going like, that is, that sounds like bullshit. Or that sounds like no you know what i mean like that sounds really odd and i feel like the internet is like that especially twitter they're like oh no you better pick a side it's black and white or else we're all gonna hate you (laughs) you know um but yeah i didn't really know what 
where I felt with, with that. I mean, I still thought it was fucked up, but like, I mean, I don't know for all we know, the Illuminati could be saying like, look, bitch, do you want to stay rich or do you want us to kill you? You yeah. better be nice to this old war criminal or we're going to steal all your, all your money and Epstein you while you sleep. You know? And Alan was like, Oh fuck. All right. I guess I better be nice to old grandpa Bush. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to die. I mean, that is if they're even, I mean, who knows? That's the thing. I don't know if you, if you are out there, Illuminati, um, I wish you no harm. Yeah. Uh, carry on. I don't. I don't know if they listen to this show, but I hope that they don't. But, <laughs> but if you do, yeah. I love you. <laughs> Please send me money. I'm not just a poor Mexican. Send me money. I love you, Beyonce. So, <laughs> just in case, you never know. Sure, can't be it's, too careful. You know, it's like those atheists that are like, I don't believe in God, but then they look up and they're just like. Right, <laughs> like I mean, I love you, God. Just kidding. <laughs> like I like like there's like, so many of my friends are like I don't believe in God, but I also don't kill people just in case, mm. you know, just in case there is some sort of judgment at the end of time. Um, but yeah, how have you been? I feel like I haven't seen you in like five years. It's been a while. I mean, I think we we saw each other at Kevin Seaman's show, right? And then before that, saw you at your show. That was Kevin Seaman's show was so good. Yeah. There's someone else who is younger than me, but I want to grow up to be like, because he's so smart and knows exactly what he's... I feel like he's one of those artists uh, that always has a plan and a strategy mm. and it's like smart and a very it's a very lovable plan and strategy mm-hmm. and like has backup plans and wow. i want to learn how to do that because the way i make art is i basically you know throw myself through a glass window and just uh, hope i only get three scratches mm. <laughs> hope i don't you know get a glass to the juggler but i usually make it through you know people like kevin look really good as they're opening the glass door mm. to get to what they want i literally just like run and go hope this works and i just like crash <laughs> through the door the glass door and you know i'm covered with scars from stuff like that but i feel like my the way i make art is just so like well i like this I want to do it. I hope this works. There's people telling me I shouldn't do this. I feel like a lot of queers and people of color, especially immigrants, are told no. Um, or people my age. I feel like mm. it's so interesting to hear how people are like, yeah, in my theater department, they make sure that there is, you know, uh, racially diverse content and we're studying playwrights of other cultures. Mm. My theater department, it was like, you're going to either learn to do Shakespeare or quit, or uh, hopefully Mm. you'll figure out how to play these white characters. And if you complain, you are hard to work with and we're not casting you. How about you shut the fuck up and get back to work? Like that was like my generation's theater, you know, experience. And that reminds me of uh, Hollywood a little bit. Oh, tr- yes. <laughs> just a little bit. Yes, I mean that As was like, a I lot. Mean, they did a good job at like uh, teaching me how most of the world was going to be. Work, yeah, like me and the other fat actors that didn't really fit any shapes would be like, okay, we well, you know you love the skinny blonde guy who's going to be able to play Biff and all the other male characters in you know Death of a Salesman, and yes, he's really handsome and very cute and very attractive. But could you like? maybe spend five minutes with the rest of us. We're mm-hmm. paying the exact same amount of money he yeah. is for this theater department. Um, you know, and I mean, not to that guy, you know, was also just like really talented. So we couldn't even be that mad at him. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, that was like a glimpse of what, you know, and I had to like, <clears throat> you know, and I like was vocal, vocal, 
about certain things, but I also wanted to survive and wanted to work. So yeah. like, you know, I did what I could. <sighs> yeah, took the parts that I could back when I was uh, when I was an actor. By the way, I used to be an actor, and now I'm not. And I stopped back in. You know how recently all the people are doing the like, this is me in 2009. Yeah. This is me 2019. Yep. Um, I was looking for even pictures of myself in 2009. I could barely find any. And it's because I was going through a really difficult transition. It was a, a moment of a lot of like turmoil in my life because I live my life a certain way. Excuse me. I'm very burpy today. I live, I had lived my life a certain way. And I uh, was literally going to the gym every day, waking up and doing yoga. And I was convinced and that every fiber of my being, I was like, I'm going to be an actor. Mm-hmm. And then 2009 came and I was like, oh, oh my God, I'm so bored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the boredom led to depression and the depression led to like bad choices. And then I just was like, oh, wow, I really hate this. And it wasn't. Uh, I mean, part of it had to do with the theater scene here back in the day, mm. um, but I still did pretty well. Like, uh, I was really bitter about it at the time, but some of my actor friends that are still acting will look at my resume and be like, oh, wow, you did a lot of cool stuff before you quit. And I was like, yes, yes, I did. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's why I didn't have any pictures, because I was transitioning from being a full-time actor to trying to find out what I wanted to do. And um one thing that helped was I was really depressed one night and I was on my way to the Castro to get, you know, blind drunk and, you know, deal with my sad Aquarius feelings that mm. way. And then I, I walked by the GLBT museum and saw mm. the $3 bill cafe. And I just looked into the window cause it was full of people and they all looked like people I wanted to hang out with. It wasn't a room full of skinny actors or a room full of skinny gays that all hate each other and watch mm. too much queer as folk because that's how old I am. Um, it was all types of people. Mm-hmm. It was like big men, fat women, people of color. And I was like, what's going on in there? Why do they look so happy? So I walked in and I was like, hi, what's all of that over there? And the person at the front desk was like, oh, that's the queer open mic. It happens every two weeks. And I was like, why do they look so happy? <laughs> why don't they all look like they hate each other and super competitive? And, yeah. um, and so I sat down and like listened. And then I was like, oh, I'm a writer. Because like all my life, whether I've been an actor or performer or, or artist, visual artist, because I also do visual art, I've always been like a secret writer. Mm-hmm. You know, because like every sad gay boy writes poems to the boys that you can't kiss in the 90s after listening to too much Tony, you know, uh, uh, too much uh, Tori Amos. Um, and so two weeks later, I came back and read a poem and everybody liked it. And I was like oh, this is what I want to do for a while. And that's kind of how I started onto the path of, uh, into that weird transition, transformation. Um, I learned that I need to have fun. Mm. Sometimes acting was just not fun. Yeah. Uh, a yeah. lot of times you're stuck yeah. in a play. Who wrote this play? Why do we still like this play? Yeah. Why do nothing but bad, terrible things happen to women in this play? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you yeah. Know, it was just like, uh, and also you can't say anything. The director tells you what to do. Like actors get treated act. I'm not like trying to shit on acting. Acting is an incredible art form. 
but it's really hard. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I stopped. Mm-hmm. It is one of the hardest. And I've, to this, at this point in my life, I've tried to do it all. Yeah. Not very successfully. Because, you know, I'm still poor and I still live in San Francisco and I don't have a living room. But I've been a stand-up comedian. I've been a performance artist. I've been a storyteller. I've won storytelling competitions. And I've won poetry competitions. I've been a slam poet. And out of all of those, I think the hardest that I still do is stand-up comedy. Like, poetry's hard. It's pretty hard. Stand-up comedy is harder. Well, for me, it's also scarier. But none of those are as hard as acting, hmm. like, in a full production. Yeah. You have to learn your lines. You have to know where you're standing. You have to know the other people's lines. Yeah. You have to know which secret pocket you have is going to have the gun that's going to shoot the person. Yeah. And you have to do it right when the light cue is happening, and you have to face it. It's just... Yeah, all the choreography behind oh, it, Oh, and too. the choreography. Yeah. And... <laughs> I just am like, oh, wow, acting is so hard. And then at the end, it's not even your... I mean, it is, but it isn't. Yeah. And so I decided in 2009 to only do projects that I had fun in or I had a deep interest in and that I write. Mm-hmm. That was my role. I have to write it. I have to be able to perform it. And so that is kind of how uh, I got to where I am today, <laughs> you know, like doing a solo show yeah. in December that hopefully is going to mix all of those into one uh, performance um, that's going to, you know, with all my powers combined, you know, I'm going to turn into, a, you know, chubby Captain Planet and do a solo show for everyone, you know, in December. Yeah. I mean, the production that I saw a few weeks ago, or month, it was about a month ago. Oh, perhaps? you saw Tiny Baruch. Yeah. Yeah. Tiny Baruch. Thank yeah. Thank you so much for coming, that by was the way. Really. And Thank I'm not you. just saying, like, <laughs> that was so fucking good. It was, like, Thank heartfelt you. and it was funny and it was poignant. And then it also, as someone who happens to be, like, trans and, like, Jewish, like, it also, it, I don't want to, like, spoil too much. <laughs> It just like was so it was like healing in a lot of ways. Thank you. And it was just like I don't I don't even have the right words for it, but just I have the feelings and it's hard to convey the feelings sometimes. I think when when one sees art or witnesses art mm-hmm. and just beautiful on, on so many so many different elements. I have a difficult time like <laughs> I love art and I love artists and I love talking about it and at the same time I feel like la- like language that I'm it's so difficult to oh, yeah. either describe like especially feelings it's just Oh yeah. <sighs> it's one of the hardest yeah. things about being an artist when I also organize shows and when people send me their bios the first if they're new artists their first line is it's hard for me to talk about art and it's hard for me to talk about myself. Yes. And I totally feel them. Yeah. The first time I tried to write my own bio, I was like, Baruch likes martinis and he's here to show you a good time. And he writes poetry that, Oh my God, I want to do it. was yeah. so hard. Um, but that show was, was real. Thank you for coming to tiny Baruch. Um, the that one it's really interesting how many people have told me that that was a very healing show for them because the reason i even started doing tiny baruch is because i was having a really hard time and i felt disconnected from my writing and so Mm. i started doodling i had a terrible day i doodled about it just kind of to get my mind off things yeah i um Art and drawing really turns my brain off, I feel, and mm. are, are certain parts of my brain. Mm-hmm. The parts of my brain that are like, you have to do all of this, you have to survive, you have to like deal with this uh, stressful thing. And I'm, I'm a very like problem solver kind of person. And if I can't, it bugs the shit out of me. Like back before we had cell phones, 
one of my old, old friends is like, yeah, I knew right away that I would have to talk to you about something. Otherwise, you would come to my house at like 7 p.m. Mm. And not like looking for a fight, but I would like knock, knock, knock. Hi, we're friends. I need us to fix this now. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people found that very jarring. Also, this was back in the day when I feel like, you know, technology and social media has changed us so much. I feel like back in the day when I was like, you know, 19, 18 to 22, your friends kind of all lived near you. Yeah. Because you just became friends with people who lived near, so you could just walk to their houses. Mm-hmm. You know, you weren't Facebook friends with some woman you met at a party who now lives in Sweden. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Because why the hell would you be friends with someone like that? Right. Um, back in the day, and so I literally remember being able to just walk to my friends' houses. Yeah. Or drive. You know, back when everybody had um, cars before uh, before I lived here. Anywho, um, so it, if I if I can't fix it. It still bugs me, and then I get insomnia, and so I start to doodle. Yeah. And so that's how Tiny Baruch kind of was born. Something was bugging me. I was waiting for a sandwich or sitting in a coffee shop, and I would just do this little drawing of myself saying something funny or complaining about something. or um, And also it was after, you know, I... I broke up with my partner of eight years, so I was also dealing with a lot of that angst mm-hmm. or fear of going back into the gay dating world, which is a nightmare. Uh-huh. I don't recommend it. But also, I feel like what I try to tell people is like, yeah, dating is a nightmare, but when has it never been a nightmare? Yeah, I, There's literally cavemen back in the ancient times who were like, oh no, must find another cave partner. This yeah. is the worst. <laughs> you know? like yeah. The 1920s, I'm sure there was some you know, young guy going like, why is finding a, a, partner, a dance partner the worst? like it's just it's always gonna suck and so um so yeah so i started doing tiny baruch and like people i was very surprised how much people loved it yeah to this day i'm still shocked that i was able to do two solo shows about my Mm. doodles um but also it helped me deal with some like heavy shit because sometimes um you you have something that affects you greatly, but you don't have the time to write a whole play about it. Mm-hmm. You don't have the time to write a whole song or a whole yep. stand-up routine. Yep. But you do have five little pages and a pen. Yeah. For And that's why it's called Tiny Baruch, because I literally only do them in these little notebooks mm-hmm. uh, that I carry around with me. Um I have I don't have on on me recently. I mean I do have one of them, but I've been working on my solo show, which is not about Tiny Baruch, unfortunately. Um, so I hope people aren't surprised. Sometimes people get confused. One guy came to Tiny Baruch, the uh-huh. first one, and was like, that wasn't a poetry show at all. Oh. What kind of stand-up spoken word artist are you? And I was like, oh, I am a spoken word artist. And yeah. he was like, the last time I saw you, you were at the Berkeley Slam. And I said, well, that was in 2011. But thank you for coming. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I was like, I still do poetry. Buy my poetry book. Yeah. And he was just so confused. He was like, I thought this was going to be a poetry show. Why did you just talk about your drawings? And I was like, because that's what, that's what it is. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what the show was like. So I hope people don't come to love in the time of piñatas, hoping for Tiny Baruch and see this completely different. I mean, it's not going to be that different because it's literally about me, just not with my drawings. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, a lot of people you know when something terrible happens you you know you don't have the time to do a whole big art piece about it but i 
can write about it in five little you know pieces of paper and put it on Instagram. And then yeah. it's it's not a way of letting it go, but it's a way of feeling like I have this negative energy inside of me. I've done something with my fingers, and yeah. now I can at least move on and brush my teeth instead yeah. of like laying down on the floor and being depressed about it for two days, which sometimes can happen. And if that happens, that's okay. Just pick yourself up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but that's kind of what what I wanted to do with that show. What I hope to keep doing. Yeah. With Tiny Baruch. I don't want to, you know, J-Lo it. I don't want to do so much Tiny Baruch that people get tired of him. I, f- I, I feel like the comic book artists that I admire, they've gone through that a lot. Like, I love Adam Ellis. Like, deep love. But the internet sometimes just does nothing but shit on him. And I'm like, why are people so mad at Adam Ellis? He's brilliant. And then my friend was like, when you get too popular, people love to hate you. Same thing with Shen Comics or uh, Owl Turd. These are people that I, they're giants in the literary, sorry, um, internet comic book world. Mm-hmm. And uh, like giants, like, you know, millions and millions of followers uh, and deals and, you know, contracts. Um I mean, I would hope for Tiny Baruch to get like that, but I don't want him to get so popular that someone like... I'm okay if people roll their eyes at me. I've been performing... You know, 2009 was when I decided to... When I was an actor, it was like, okay, it's a job. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I was, it was pounded in my brain that it was a job and that I had to do it full time. And if you weren't getting cast left and right, you were a failure. But even the people that I knew who were getting cast left and right, I was like, wait, you live with your aunt and mm. you're on your sister's couch and you have a husband who's a doctor. How yeah. are any of you doing this? How, why are you all saying you do this full time and it's your profession when it's really not how you're paying all of your bills? Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were, though, like, you know, one out of a thousand. Yeah. You know? yeah. Also, I don't know everything about, you know, I was only one me. So I don't want to get tweets from actors who were making a living just from acting back in 2007 telling me to fuck off. Sorry, I never met you, bro. <laughs> you know, like, um, uh, but anywho, uh, and this is specifically in the Bay Area. So if you were making money as an actor in Minneapolis in 2000, 2007 congratulations yeah. <laughs> like there wasn't that much work here uh and if there was not for fat mexicans so um so so yeah uh i decided to try to go at it like full blast like with every fiber of my being to the point where um some other younger uh, writer was like I feel like everywhere I go, I hear about you or someone talks about you. Mm -hmm. And then I tell them, it's all lies. I'm not that much of a slut. Just half of a slut. Whoever said they slept with me, if they're not that cute, maybe I did it. If they're hot, of course I did it. He's not lying. I fucked him. Um, But the guy was like, no, no, no. I feel like I hear either about an art project you did or a show you hosted or a show you used to host. How do I get there? This younger artist was like, how do I get to the point where... Everyone's talking about me. Um, And I was like, well, I don't know how to do that. I I don't know how to tell you to do that now Mm -hmm. because I'm still trying to figure that out myself just like in a higher level. Like I would love to want to get to Marga, Marga Gomez, Mm. um, you know, level or to someone even, you know, I would love to get to, you know, higher levels. Everyone's always trying to better themselves. Um, uh, or get like some fucking bestsellers in there. I'd love to be a Charlie Jane Anders someday. That would be amazing because mm-hmm. she is killing it and is a San Francisco, you know, darling favorite. Love her so much. Anywho, uh, but what I did tell this young 
writer was that I, when I was in 2009, I decided that no matter what I was doing every night, I was going to focus it on my art, mm. whether that was, and I was going to be somewhere. I was never going to be home. Oh, okay. Now that I'm old and fat, I love being home. Mm. But when I was younger and had the energy and yeah. had the hunger to be a writer and a yeah. performer, I said to myself, I am never just going to be home. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be either at an open mic, mm-hmm. whether it's comedy or poetry mm-hmm. or a poetry slam um, or some sort of event. Yeah. And if I'm not performing, I'm going to be watching and learning and being a part of that community. Yes. And so in 2009, that's what I told myself to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it was exhausting. Yeah. But also, I was really lucky to live in a city where you can walk to all of yeah. these places or just hop on Muni or BART. Um so I was always at an event and eventually the host will see you that you're there every week or yeah. every month and he'll be like, who are you? And you can tell them, hi, I love your show. I'm also a performer. Mm-hmm. If you want to book me someday, uh, please do. Yeah. And that's how eventually I started getting booked in places or people started learning who I was. I'm also really tall. So that helps, you know, <laughs> as much as I try to blend into a room, people notice as, you know, six foot three, 350 pound Mexican, um, you know, standing in the back smiling or clapping really loud. Um, I also really love it. I feel like that's helped a lot. I know a lot of writers who, and it's fine. There's some stuff that I can't do. Like, like burner art one of my friends deep close friend is like do you want to come with me to the show to watch white people juggle no (laughs) no i don't but they're gonna be really hot they all have abs i know because acrobats spend all day working out but i mean they're not gonna take their clothes off i can't masturbate to them there's no story behind it i fall asleep (laughs) and that's not their fault it's my fault uh but i but you know but i have a lot of writer friends that are like I can't go to another poetry show with you. I can't go to a novel writer's book release to listen to them read their novel excerpt very slowly and boringly. I'll fall asleep. Mm. And that is completely okay. Mm -hmm. But I love that shit. Even if it's a bad poetry show, I love it because... We're in a weird little golden era. There's been decades and decades where people did not give a fuck about poetry. Yeah. And if you try to get someone to go to a poetry show with you, they would look at you like like you were asking them to like shave their balls. <laughs> like, you know? So to me, the fact that there's we live in a city where that's a wonderful, beautiful problem to have. Like I literally had a friend last week. Not last week, it was like, you know, two months ago. It was like Oh, I have a friend who's doing a poetry show the same night as another friend's book release, the same night as this open mic I yes. really love to go to, and I know which, I don't know which one to go to. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's so great. Try to try for all three. I don't know. You know, I just thought so. I loved it. So every night I was going somewhere, trying to tell people who I was, trying to do an open mic or do a comedy open mic or read my poem somewhere. Mm-hmm. To the point where I got a little crazy. My mother was like, what? Where are you? She called me one day and I was like, oh, I'm in Marin. There was a, a poetry open mic in San Rafael or somewhere in Marin yeah. that I took a bus to yeah. go to just to read for five minutes. Mm-hmm. It was the dumbest thing I've ever done. But I made friends along the way. I met people while I was there. They never booked me for a feature. I don't even think it's happening anymore. But that's how hungry I was to share my work. And the other day, a friend of mine was making fun of a a poet comedian who went all the way to San Jose just to share his poetry for five minutes and Mm -hmm. do a comedy open mic. And I was like, fuck you. 
what the fuck are you doing with your life? It's his choice. He's yeah. not making anybody drive him there. He drove himself there. He's making, hopefully, some friends in San Jose. What, what else is he going to do? Just sit in a bar getting drunk and yeah. then, you know... Like, go home and diddle himself? <laughs> like, you know, at least he's getting out there and doing stuff. Right. Uh, now I'm, like, I, I do like, uh, I feel like I'm so new to the comedy world and nameless that I, that's my next step. Mm -hmm. I've been doing open mics, comedy open mics for a while, but not enough. Mm -hmm. Definitely not enough. So as soon as, um, you know, uh, recently I've been, you know, having a small little wrestling match with cancer. As soon as I get the green light that, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting for that cancer free mm -hmm. diagnosis or the I don't know what the official way to say it is. As soon as that happens in the new year, I'm going to just try to go to as many comedy open mics as I can, because um, that's another I feel art form that you can't just sit at home, you know, trying to you know make it better you have to do it in front of people yeah you have to like get your practice in right and also hear what other folks are doing too oh yeah and that's a tough one because like i have written several jokes that i thought i was a genius yep but no i just watch the same you know content that other people watch and then mm -hmm. i'll go to an open mic and i'm like I just wrote that joke, but there's no way that they could have heard that mm -hmm. it's just we both had the same thought yeah you know um but yeah, I do love stand-up comedy. I want to keep doing it. I've had some really cool gigs, and I've been part of great features. Uh, in January, I'm doing SF Sketchfest again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Very burpy today. Uh, very happy I got in, because I've always been a huge fan of SF Sketchfest. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do a show called Don't Dummy Comedy at Cafe du Nord. Mm -hmm. January... One of the January. <laughs> so, so I have the date right here. Hold on. Yeah. I'm just going to pull out my little calendar. January 17th. Okay. I'm doing the Nostami Comedy at Cafe du Nord with a whole bunch of other Latino comedians. Um, so that's going to be fun. But yeah, comedy, so, solo shows, poetry stuff. Um, yeah, doing all that stuff. But also I have a day job. So it's like, that's why I always look so tired. And well, that's why sometimes I start rambling <laughs> without stopping. Well, there's, yeah, a lot going on, certainly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's fun. Yeah. All of it so, sort of is fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also by, you know, working within community, too, that in itself is, is a lot, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's incredibly exhausting, but very, I feel, rewarding. Yeah. Every time I've questioned it the community does something amazing or beautiful that reminds me why so many of us do organize, mm. uh, uh, you know, shows or community stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause sometimes it can get very tiring. Yeah. And when I see young organizers or not, you know, age young, but like even people my age that decide to start a show or start an organization, um, only if they ask for help. I don't give unsolicited advice. I feel like I don't have time. Um, also, people can just be like, why the, you know, nobody fucking asked you. But people do sometimes ask me for advice, and I tell them, Tara Hardy is this incredible queer writer who is a legend, is a legend in the slam world. She lives in Seattle, I believe. Uh, one of my heroes. Um, she started an entire... Um, center for queer writers in Seattle. Oh, and cool. Called Bent. She's the founder of Bent. 
I don't know if Bent is still going. It was a huge nonprofit. I never saw it. I just heard of it everywhere I went. Um, so she did a couple of workshops here. Um, I oh, I did a show with her in D.C. back in 2010, the mm. first ever queer poetry slam oh. uh, contest. It was like a huge national slam. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called Capturing Fire. It was founded by Reggie Kabiko. She was one of the features, and I wanted, was one of the. It was my first ever big gig. I was like flown there, had a place to stay. Um, anywho. When she was in San Francisco and she saw the stuff I was doing at the time I was, um, like the host and artistic director for vetted word and the San Francisco queer up and Mike. And I was mm-hmm. doing all these other shows and organizing all these other, I think I was doing my first ever poetry festival with guy writers, uh, was called, um, my first love. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she saw all of that and just pulled me aside and was like, hi, I think what you're doing is amazing. I also want to remind you. And also I was with Tatiana Brown, who was running uh, the Lit Slam. And I think Sam Sachs was also there. He was running the new shit show at Viracocha mm-hmm. back in the day. She was like, I don't want you guys to get burned out. I don't want you guys to forget that you matter the most. Your bodies and your minds should come first. The community is important, but you have to put yourselves first mm-hmm. and you can't let the community drain the life out of you. She yeah. kind of said it a little bit as a secret, you know, you yeah. can't be, um, uh, when you're at the show, when you're at the show, yes, no one's more important than the show when you're on stage. Mm-hmm. But once the show is done, you should come first Yeah, and uh, you should take care of yourselves first and your mental health. Uh, cause eventually you know you don't want to burn out you don't want to explode and she was like i've seen organizers and hosts eventually not just explode but like tell the community to fuck off or cancel Mm. shows or you know she wasn't naming names um but i've certainly seen it happen uh so that was great and so that's what i tell some of the younger organizers that yes the community is very very important and it's good to do your time yeah i ran the queer up and mic for seven yeah, years yeah i was gonna bring that up I and mean, that, that was, was you know I that was, was a fun show so grateful for that i think that's how we met is that yeah. how we met Yay. yes <laughs> yeah i was talking to jesus you better work uh, oh jesus week, and i say we both did a comedy show jesus and i at omg and jesus mentioned the queer open mic and <laughs> i i mean it was just really the the space that you and Blythe provided was just so warm and welcoming and encouraging and felt like supportive. Thank you. And also it was that where it was just, yeah, yeah, I felt really touched by the performers that you had there. To me often it felt like, sometimes it felt like church. Yeah. It felt like, Oh, this is what, probably church was supposed to feel like or is to some people yeah. who are really because yeah. i i would leave just i would especially the last couple years mm-hmm. when everything you know was changing in san francisco yes. and all our political parties were changing and like it was so weird to go to a show drained and have everybody walk through the doors just these exhausted, traumatized queers mm-hmm. who were all either fearing of getting pushed out of their homes yeah. or had already been pushed out of their homes. I, we had, Blythe and I had so many people who were like, oh, I had to move to Pinole or to 
you know, the outskirts of Walnut Creek, but mm-hmm. I still somehow made it to yeah. the show because it was important for me to be around queer people. Yeah. Um, and then leave rejuvenated. Yes. Because we had heard each other's stories with just a very slim structure. And everyone, even if you were a professional or a newbie, had had the five minutes to say what they had to say. Yes. And to hear other voices like theirs. Mm-hmm. And and either laugh or cry or hear someone struggle through trauma or hear someone's sexy story mm-hmm. or hear someone's like, you know, breakup piece. And I just feel like that show in just, you know, two hours could make you laugh, cry, <laughs> like pee your pants, maybe get mad at someone, yep. make up with someone. Yeah. And then, um, and then leave, everybody seemed to leave happy. And I'm not saying it was never rough. We had several rough nights. That show taught me how to navigate really difficult situations Mm -hmm. and that uh, you have to be aware of everyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, before that, I had come from the theater world where it was just like, you know, fuck everyone. (laughs) Nothing matters but the play, you know, and the people who are paying for the seats. Um, But that show reminded me that, like, everybody's backstory Every butt in the seat matters. Mm-hmm. Where they come from matters. Yeah. Um, because that show wasn't about the main event. It was about the experience, yes. I feel. Yeah. Um, and that was my experience before I took it over. Mm-hmm. It made me feel, you know, uh, part of something. And it also made me feel like I could, uh, through the through the listening, I remember Sarah Dopp. The first hosts I encountered were Sarah Dopp and Molina Williams, mm-hmm. two incredible people. Um, Molina Williams also came from the theater world. So Mm -hmm. it was so nice to see her as another (laughs) refugee who was like me really, you know, bigger bodied, fat, positive, you know, not white, (laughs) like, uh, was told she was too big, too fat, too loud for the theater world Mm -hmm. more. Cause you know, all of that stuff, it's hard being, you know, whatever, a queer, you know fat queer man but i know it's a hundred times harder for for black women for Mm -hmm. queer black women Mm -hmm. so it was nice to see her as a fellow (laughs) refugee from the theater world you know running the queer open mic um yeah it was just such a welcoming and i tried to continue that um it taught me how to welcome people into a space yeah like i feel like it got me ready for the job i have now which is community events manager at strut Mm -hmm. uh which acts like a community center even though technically we're not we're a Mm -hmm. sexual health clinic Mm -hmm. run through the san francisco aids foundation but all the shows we do there and all the stuff that i'm in charge of of leading there a lot of that stuff i learned uh a lot of the skills i used to make that happen Mm -hmm. I learned at the Queer Open Mic. And I also feel like it taught me to always have an open mind for new things. Because literally every month, me and Sarah Dobb or me and Blythe Baldwin were learning new things. Yeah. To the point where we were like, what? That's now? What? You can't say that anymore? Mm. And instead of acting like a normal Gen Xer and going like, well, that's lame, I learned to you know, be like, oh, well, I want to hear where you're coming from. I want to, I like that you're here. I like, I actually would love to be your friend. So I want to hear why you're mad. I want to (laughs) hear what we can do to make it better. And the more I learned to listen to other people's, you know, where they were coming from, the more I learned about myself really in the world. It was a really, you know, great experience because it was no one's, 
you know how we love to, we love to say that it's no one's responsibility to educate you um but i always when i hear young queers say that to other people i'm just like sure yes after you very angrily yelled at this person they're gonna go right to the library rent out all the books and educate themselves about where you're coming from um no most people aren't gonna do that they should they definitely should mm-hmm. but i i think the queer up and mike taught me um that even though that's not going to happen if you meet people halfway a lot of people do change because i saw that happening at the show people would show up angry about something Mm -hmm. they would meet other people that they hated but because everybody got five minutes to say their piece Mm -hmm. eventually i saw people uh becoming friends if they changed Mm. Blythe and I were very strict about people who weren't willing to change. Oh. We always gave people two, not three, two strikes. <laughs> like, hey, we're addressing a problem. Mm-hmm. If you didn't know, cool. Now you know. Here's oh. how we need you to change. And we had a lot of queers that were like, you're right, I, I didn't know. And I am going to change. And if mm-hmm. we saw change, we're welcome here every month. Yeah. Well, if you get better, we'll feature you even. I'll recommend you for other gigs, but there were several, mostly gay cis men, hmm. several folks who were like, oh. no, I'm not going to change. No, I'm not going to get people's pronouns right. No. Oh, oh yeah. Like, Gross. And so, <laughs> Blood the Night had several, and Sarah Dobb had several times that we had to like tell people they couldn't come back until they changed. And it was the yeah. weirdest thing to... You know, who the fuck do you think you are? No one. I am no one. Also, this show is no one. You're really that mad you can't come back to an open mic that's free? There is, <laughs> back then, there was hundreds of other open mics sure. in the city that they could go to. Yeah. I mean, I didn't want to send the problem to another fellow open mic, but I would be like, look, buddy, there is a calendar on the internet that you can go to. Yeah. You can go to any other literary open mic to share your terrible poetry. <laughs> but if you're not going to be respectful to queer people and to your fellow queer people and yeah. to women, yeah. then you can't. You you know come back here and a lot of folks didn't come back mm. and i hope they don't still hate me and if they do oh well fuck off <laughs> you know um but yeah i mean i just that was a great part of my my life and sometimes i am sad it's over i, I definitely still get people coming up to me to talk to me about it at strut yeah. uh we had a uh, night it was uh, celebrating Border Angels. Mm. It was a collaboration with Color Block, this organization that uh, focuses on queer people of color. Mm-hmm. They do performances and panel discussions. We collaborate with them at Strut sometimes. And uh, this young baby queer came up to me and was like, "You don't remember me, but I used to go to the queer up and Mike, and it was the first place I'd ever been around people like me, and it was the first place I'd ever heard anything live like." about queer people and queer lives and wow i just wanted to say thank you and i was like oh that thank you inside i was like weeping you know yeah. <laughs> but i was like oh my god but i was like thank you for telling me that thanks for being here you know i hope you come to other strut events and they were like when is it gonna come back and i was like you know it's gonna come back when you bring it back mm-hmm. you know i a lot of folks cried and were angry that Blythe and i couldn't do it anymore but you know Blythe and i are older now we just went to see a show together and we were just laughing about all the we're not even that old we're not 40 yet <laughs> but she was like oh i got this thing and i got this neck pain mm. and this thing and i was like well my knees don't work and i don't have a thyroid anymore because you know, like uh and i i'm on all this medication and mm. and she was like we're acting like we're old and i was like because we kind of we're getting there all my friends that are over 60 are gonna slap me when they hear me complaining (laughs) about being old at 38 but um but yeah we were like we kind of moved on we've 
it just it takes a someone with a very strong like young back to run a monthly show i don't know how some of these people that do weekly shows do it oh yeah um but uh but yeah i told all the young queers like you can bring it back yourself you can start your own show i just uh hung out with a bunch of beautiful young queer babies at, at lyric in oh yeah. Castro. yeah lyric is fantastic i love the work that they do i went there to talk about being uh, a writer and a performer and about Aww. loving the time of being at this um but one of them raised her hand and she was like i feel like some of the open mics i go to still they just they're not laying they're not the uh, environment i feel like I want to be at yes, and me and Natalia Vigil, who started still here, we were like, "That's the best part about San Francisco. You can make that happen." Mm-hmm. Queers have been creating their own scenes, yes. since forever. Yes, <laughs> since there have been queers. Yeah, I think that's to. one of the magical things about being a queer person. Yeah. You have the magical power to recreate reality, almost. Yes, you know. I mean, that's how so many scenes have been happening. Marginalized people weren't allowed to be somewhere, so they were like, "Fine, I'm going to make this place over here even more amazing for mm-hmm. me." So we told these queer babies. You can start your own show. Yeah. You can start your own open mic. You can start your own weekly salon. And Natalia yes. was like, you don't even have to do it for the public. Pick three friends you love to share content with. Mm-hmm. Pick three artists that you love to collaborate with. Yeah. Invite them to someone's living room and just perform for each other. Mm. I used to, and I told her too, I was like, oh, that was one of my favorite parts of being young back before people had living rooms. I feel like no one I know now has living rooms because we've all started renting them out to survive here. Um, but yeah, just having like salons. I used to have them all the time when I lived in in the mission and we had mm. a big living room. I would just invite a bunch of my friends and be like, you can come the only rule is you have to bring something to eat and you have to bring something to share and everybody mm. either had to sing a song or read a poem mm. uh, you know everybody had a time limit because we didn't want to sit through someone's like 40 minute reading from their novel um unless that was the point but that's what we told these young queer babies to to do mm. we were like you have the power make it happen yeah. create your own event your own space create your open mic for the people that you want to connect with yeah. I mean, I think part of it is due to the spaces changing over and how, like, since modern times had to close and yeah. like Galleria de la Raza and like so many other spaces, yeah. as well as how not only just housing, but like the small theaters and independently oh, yeah. and bookstores. So I, I feel like part of that does feel like more of a, an additional challenge in terms of the next yes. generation starting place, you know, new shows. And I do wonder if modern times was still around, how long, you know, mm-hmm. if, you know, you and Blythe might have tapped out for a moment and gotten folks to you know to take over we definitely tried to have folks take over there was two folks that wanted the name queer up and mike but they wanted to drastically change the structure oh and so we we well we politely said no to them but we were like also you can still do it yeah (laughs) we were like we don't own the name was such a generic name you know there wasn't an actual name tied to it Mm -hmm. um you know um like I, I remember a very young queer came four or three years before we stopped and they were like, I want to be your new, cause I used to call Blythe my intern <laughs> when Blythe showed up, mm-hmm. Sarah Dopp and I were running it and she wanted to be a part of it. And Sarah Dopp and I were like, we actually were doing okay with two hosts. And Blythe was like, well, can I just be your intern then? I want to help make this happen. I want to make oh, cool. Blythe was like, this is very important to me that this keeps happening yes. and keeps 
is where very well supported. It was so funny. She was young. She was like, I want to be part. Of, I want to be part of the slam scene, and I want to. I want to be part of something very queer too. Uh, what do you guys need? Water? <laughs> like she would bring us bottles of water. She was like our little groupie. Um, and so we called her our intern for the longest time, and then finally Sarah Dopp was like. Oh, I'm exhausted. And yes. Blythe seems like she has all the energy. So yes. <laughs> Sarah Dopp retired and mm. Blythe came on. And so we had a young queer who wanted to do the exact same oh, thing. Okay. But they were like, uh, we should either ban men or ban uh, cis people. <laughs> With very, oh, very yeah, good intentions. Oh, yeah. Very good intentions. Yeah. And I was like, ah. Uh... And my only, and I was trying to have an open mind and hear them out. And yeah. I said, you know, yes, I, I'm, I'm down for that. If it's like a curated show sure, or if it's like, you know, I, you know, let's focus on just trans people for a year in the features or yeah. people of color. Yeah. But banning them from entering the space, that seems really harsh because I know people in the community who wouldn't be who they are if they, we had banned them from entering the space. Yeah. There was at the time two artists who when the first time they came into the community they thought they were someone else because mm-hmm. they weren't allowed to be in a space that let them be who they really were yes and so they walked into the crib and mike they saw people like them yes. but farther in their journey sure doing poetry or comedy and they were like oh holy shit that's this isn't who i am yes that's who i am and if we hadn't let them into the space they wouldn't have had mm. that experience i feel yeah you know um so so yeah it was really funny how many young queers were like i'm gonna take your show but i'm gonna change it very drastically and me i had to be like you, you know you can just do that without taking the show and now i'm kind of like anyone can do it so if you want to start your own open mic do it call it the queer open mic just you know you know, I'll even help you. I, I, I can't help you, but I'll help you promote it. I'll <laughs> sure, tell sure. people to go. Yeah. Uh, I just am too busy to, you know, do anything at the moment because uh, I just have so much on my plate. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought we could maybe talk about the show that's happening tomorrow. Oh, at, tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. Um, Tomorrow we are doing an amazing uh, show. It's a performance series I helped start. At Strut. Strut, if you don't know what Strut is, we are a sexual health and wellness center for the queer community in the heart of the Castro. It's a building that houses programs that are part of the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. Our most popular one is Magnet. It's our um, sexual health clinic. Mm -hmm. We do HIV tests and SDI tests, and now we test everyone. Historically, we were uh, Magnet was around the corner, and they only tested men who have sex with men. Mm -hmm. They started in 2003, and that was something that was really, really important to them back then. But now the queer community as a whole is important to them and to all of us that work there. So we test everyone. Yay. So no matter what, you know, junk you got or how you use it, if you have sex, we will test you (laughs) and we will uh, even give you free treatment. If Mm. it turns out you do have any, uh, you know, uh, if you've acquired stuff in your sexual adventures Mm. or journeys. Um, And so when I first started working there back in 2015, there wasn't any um, regular programming that was connected to trans folks in the, um, the, the AIDS foundation did have a program called trans life and trans life is still around Mm -hmm. and they mostly do operations downtown though at our headquarters. Okay. But in the Castro Castro, there wasn't that much, um, you know, trans stuff happening when we Mm -hmm. opened strut at all. So I reached out to two good friends of mine, fellow writers, Kay Nielsen Mm -hmm. and Julian Schendelman. And I was like, 
hey, you two, <laughs> do you have any cool ideas for us to do at Strut? And I, I had no idea what, you know, I, I was like, I want to buy you two coffee and have you two, and like, I'll pay you <laughs> somehow, and I want you two to come up with something that you feel your community will enjoy. Mm-hmm. And since they're both writers and artists, they were like, okay, we're going to call it Trans Voices. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a variety show. We're just going to book trans people. The mm-hmm. audience can be whatever they want, and it's going to be a night of performances on that theme. Okay. And I was like, done, let's do it. So since 2015, we've done at least three or four shows a year. It's like mm-hmm. a quarterly show. Um, and yeah, it's been, that's, that's been a journey in of itself. It's a little, um, in, in some ways it's easier cause I'm never on stage. Mm. I complete, I want the night and the building to be taken over mm-hmm. by the folks that are hosting. Cause I'm not trans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do what I can to support it in the background. So, yeah. but that sometimes is, is harder because depending on who's hosting, it's a completely different show. Yes. And I've had several people host it. Um, Kay was going strong for a while, but then he got another job and then he got mm. busy and then he had other things and he finally left the, I finally got him hired on there because he needed a job. So I got him a, a job there with community engagement mm. and, um, and then he was in the prep program and the positive force. He did a lot while he was there, but now he has left us for mm. the tech industry, but that's fine. Get that money. Mm. Um, and so, and then Julian moved. And so for a while it was like Mia Byrne. Uh, I asked mm-hmm. her to step in as a co-host, a guest host. Yeah. KB Tuffy Voice and her were uh, co-hosting. Mm. And then Kay came back for a while. So, like, I feel like, um, you know, and then a lot of times people are like, Brooke, you just hosted. You're so nice and you're an ally. And I'm like, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I needed to be someone who is really in the community and is living that life. It's yeah. just so important, especially right now. Definitely. Um, and so the current guest host, I've reached out to her because I love her performance. Uh, she's also gorgeous, really smart, great performer, and does a lot for the community. It's Pearl Teese. Oh, yeah. Do you know Pearl Teese? I do. Isn't and she amazing? I met Pearl here at Mutiny Radio because oh, cool. coming up next at 6 p.m. is House of Pride. Oh, cool. Where, cool. Yeah, Pearl is a co-host. Yes. Uh, yeah. So she's so. fantastic. Uh, so we we brought her on. She is not only uh, uh, she's doing a lot more. So I mm-hmm. told the you know foundation we're paying her a lot more, and they were like yes because they want you know trans voices to thrive mm-hmm. so she's not only a guest hosting she's guest curating oh great so i'm helping her you know and that's kind of how i always wanted it to happen but yeah. you know julian and Kay, they were a lot of the times they were busy so they were like here's who we think might be in the show or would be good we're busy can you reach out to them so yeah. they would give me a list of trans artists mm-hmm. for me to reach out to so that was kind of how that worked and then and with pearl uh, it's kind of but she's doing the outreach mm-hmm. she's like i want them to hear from me first yes yes i want them to hear from someone in their community mm-hmm. and i'm like yeah i'll just get you the checks <laughs> you know uh so it's tomorrow at 7 p.m uh cutie pocket strut is something that we started at strut about a year ago mm-hmm. me and other uh you know queer people of color and the foundation um and the foundation does a lot like i know everybody loves to shit on the aids foundation but you know they, they're old they've been around since 1981 wow so a lot of a lot they, it's wow they have been in gay years that is old yeah for our nonprofit to be around that long yeah um you know so um so you know they have two black programs they have a, a, a trans life program mm-hmm. uh apoyo latina the latina program is huge um but we still thought it wasn't enough, especially not in, in the Castro. Yes, um, yes. 
So we got together and we started a committee called Cutie Pocket Strut, Mm -hmm. Queer and Trans People of Color. And so we work really hard to make sure there's a lot more people of color and trans-focused events happening in the Castro at Mm. Strut. And so we decided every Thursday we were going to take over. That's great. So every Thursday you can come to Strut from 5-ish to 8-ish. We will be either doing an informational event Mm -hmm. with some form of free snack that's focused on queer and trans people of color Mm -hmm. or a performance event or Mm. some sort of workshop, but it's every Thursday. So it's none of this like once a month, once a semester. Yeah, it's every, it's weekly. Nice. And so it's been very hard because we all have our own jobs already that we do there um the prep team has been doing most of the push and the work for this initiative um felipe flores who's in charge of all of that has Mm -hmm. just been instrumental in making sure everything happens and and i have my own job as well uh, doing other stuff there so sometimes i can only cover one thursday uh for example this month my project uh is trans voices which is happening Mm -hmm. tomorrow yes at seven o'clock uh pearl tease is hosting we're gonna have some free snacks and free wine uh, and free sparkling water if you don't drink. And we're going to have two singers and two spoken word artists. Oh, nice. Uh, the lineup is really great. Uh, it was chosen by Pearl Tease. And Pearl Tease is also going to perform and host. And it's it's like a show, but it's also going to be really chill. Like a lot of folks, it, every time we've done it, it's different. You know, mm-hmm. we had a Halloween kiki ball oh. last month. And that one was huge. It yeah. was an event. But then we had another event that was like a literary event. And it was re- really chill. Yeah, Our events kind of are different every time. So yeah. tomorrow I hope will be, you know, pretty big. And even if it's not the entertainment, it's going to be fantastic. Mm. Yeah. But enough about that. That's my day job. <laughs> <laughs> right. I want all yeah. of you, everyone, if you're listening to come to love in the time of piñatas, yes. which is my solo show happening in December. Um, it is basically a mix of spoken word and stand up comedy and performance art to tell the story of love in the time of piñatas which is basically um talk about how hard it is to talk about your art and yourself mm. it's about um it's about being um it's a collection of experiences and stories from my life as a fat queer immigrant mm-hmm. a lot of it is focused on being an immigrant mm-hmm. and especially right now um there's so many horrible things being said about immigrants mm-hmm. and there's so many horrible things happening to immigrants. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I feel like people, my generation that grew up here as an immigrant, a lot of what happened to you or a lot of the things that was said to you, you were told to just move on, mm. you know, like when, you know, when he said, send them back, uh, I love the way people responded to that. I love that people like there was a giant voice of people in this country who were like, that is not okay. Fuck you. Yeah. It was so meaningful for so many of us because that's not the first time we've heard it. That's Mm. not the first time I've heard it. Mm. I've been hearing that since I was nine years old. Mm. And every time I heard it, the teachers would kind of shrug and be like, oh, they didn't mean it. (laughs) Or like, you know, or they'd be like, well, what did you do? Ugh. What did you do to get your classmate to say that he was going to deport you or that you should go back to your own country? Did you take his lunch or some, you know, like, I feel like so many immigrants have had an ex have had the experience of hearing that Mm -hmm. from sometimes even our coworkers or our fellow classmates. I mean, uh, when I went to cinema state, I mean, I grew up in the Bay area, so Mm -hmm. I was pretty lucky to live in a liberal bubble ish. 
Yeah. People still set fucked up things to me yeah. left and right. Um, but then I went to Sonoma State where I got to meet racists from other parts of the country. And sometimes I remember meeting people. The first thing out of their mouths was like, oh, why are you in my country? Like, not even like, a, oh, nice to meet you. It was just like, like, I remember one guy in my theater department, like, I had never met him. I'd seen him in a meeting. Yeah. It was like sophomore or junior year. He, like, walked through a lobby of theater students and he was like, hey, someone told me that you aren't a citizen. And I was like, no, what? Who are you? And he was like, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm a theater major uh, like you. And I was like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. And he was like, I'm just here to let you know you should fucking go back to where you came from. <laughs> And people were like, oh, he's just being funny. He's just joking. You know, it's just, you know, everyone. And it's that you know. fucked up attitude. That's why we're at where we're at right now is people yeah. just like let it slide yeah. and like normalize that. Yeah. yeah. And this was in the theater department full of like weirdly mm. like straight white boys who all yeah. came from Republican backgrounds. Oh. Um, and, and it was funny because and then I think and, you know, eventually I had to keep interacting with him and, you know, dealing with him and. And even I told myself not to to ignore him and to ignore stuff like that. But I feel like growing up here as an immigrant, you kind of have to. It's. I mean, that's why I called the show what it is. It's like being a piñata. It's like everyone's trying to like hit you with a bat somehow, or with their words, or with their you know fists. Everyone's you know journey is different. So it's a collection of stories and experiences based on that experience it starts out with um but it also that i feel like that also has to do a lot with being queer because the show starts with my first uh, my first big birthday party when i was five mm-hmm. and my parents decided to why not they kind of were tired they were so tired of of trying to stop me from being as sparkly gay as I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, well, okay, he hasn't died so far. They let me have a giant rainbow bright themed birthday party. Mm-hmm. And that's how the solo show begins. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's, uh, at Z below. It's a th- beautiful yes, yeah. little theater in the mission. It through, uh, Epic party theater company is a brand new theater company. They're pledged. They're not, not pledging. Their mission is to only work on queer stuff yeah. and new queer stuff Great. and queer projects that are all about an event. Mm-hmm. So hence the name Epic party theater company. So my show that is about a party, um, you know, because uh, something I say in the show and something I'm starting to tell everyone is like, um, instead of immigrants, maybe we should just call ourselves party crashers because we definitely were not invited, but we're the most interesting part of this sad party that is slowly going downhill. Um, but, you know, and like a, a party starting to suck and then a party crasher shows up and makes it like so much better i feel like that's how immigrants are because so many amazing things exist now because of immigrants and because we came to this country to make it better so yeah the show is not that long it's only like an hour long um i have a song in it titled i'm here to take your jobs (laughs) and i have two beautiful go-go boys who are going to assist me through the show are they the same ones who are at one of them is one of them is the same they're both cute so they're both very attractive and they're going to be wearing nothing but a jock strap um because mostly because i just spent so many times seeing wasted so much time seeing plays where boys did not take their clothes yeah. off yeah um, i mean what's with that yeah Can we talk about that first yeah <laughs> i was a judge in a playwriting <laughs> contest at piano fight mm-hmm. and uh and each play got to do like five minutes or a scene from a play that wanted to win 
a production at Piano Fight, and any play that didn't have a guy take his shirt off, I yeah. would be like, 10 points off. <laughs> I would be like, negative, negative 50 what points. What if the place didn't have any men in it? Oh, well, then I would be very fair. But uh, but there was one play that a guy took his shirt off, and I was like, 20 points. <laughs> he wins. Winner. And then I told the, audi- told the audience full of playwrights, like, you know, if you're going to make a sit through your straight shit, at least have two of the characters take their shirts off and make out. Yeah. You know, just for your gay audience. It's only fair. Uh, it's only fair. We are suffering, people. Um, but no, I mean... It, it was it was very fun. I love Piano Fight. I love everything they do. Um, but yeah, it's at Z Below through mm-hmm. Epic Party Theater. Tickets, you can find them at the Z Below website. And they're not that expensive. Also, for your listeners, if you guys are trying to save a buck like me, you can use code uh, PINATA10 mm-hmm. to get $10 off. Oh, great. P-I-N-A-T-A-T-E-N. All caps to get uh, $10 off. And if you come, we're serving donuts at every show because I fucking love donuts. Yeah. I wanted to get you a donut today and I just didn't. <laughs> oh, that's okay. A... I'm supposed to be taking a break from donuts because I'm okay. on a very strict cancer diet. Okay. <laughs> like, it's like they're just trying to take everything away from me. They're taking away salt. They're taking away like dairy. Uh, like this isn't even coffee. This is tea. Oh. It's so sad. Okay. I can't even have coffee anymore. I've been cheating a lot. How about fruit? <laughs> I can eat fruit. I've got apples and persimmons. Oh, I might steal an apple. Yeah. After this, I'm going to rehearsal to keep working on loving the time of piñatas so that I can do a really good show for people when you come see the show. Yay. Yay. So butts, donuts, Mexican immigrants, the show has everything. And piñatas. We'll have piñatas there. Oh, nice. Um, And I'll also hopefully we'll be selling merch and hopefully be selling some tiny Baruch stuff. Yeah. I really also you know. appreciated that from your, your last performance with oh, yeah. able to go home with a Baruch print. <laughs> you know, it's really funny. Nice. I never thought that I would be the kind of person to have merch ever. Even when I bought, when I, when I published my books now available through sibling rivalry press, uh, my two books of poetry, I just didn't even think about it. I was going to go on tour and my friend was like, how many books are you going to sell on tour? And I remember thinking like, Cause I guess I'm not naturally a capitalist. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm such a like sad Aquarius. I just want people to have love and hug each other. I feel that way too. I'm not an Aquarius, but I also feel right? the same way. It's and like, also, I feel like it's almost antithetical, or in a lot of ways, it's antithetical to art. Where it's like I want to make something to make it, yeah, not to put a yeah. price on it. And I also want it yes. to be available to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, however, we live in this. Right. The way things are set up right now, it's right. that weird. But also, I feel I've learned that people sometimes really do love that. I, cer- I certainly do. I went to see a performer show, uh, Kevin Seaman's show. Yes, yes. I bought a t-shirt right away, right, even right. though I'm not rolling in the dough. But it was like really well made, and it yeah. supports him. Yeah. You know? It's that and thing so... where it's like I'd much rather support like my friends and mm-hmm. artists around the world as opposed to a, a company or a corporation. Right, 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 right. And especially like people see me wearing my Kevin Seaman, LOL McPherson shirt, and they're like, what is that? Oh, you don't know LOL? You're not cool like me? This is amazing. You should join, join our fan club. Um but yeah, it's weird having merch now. I mean, especially at my tiny Baruch show yeah. afterwards when I was signing books and my friend who runs Muni Diaries, who it's an amazing show you should all go oh, to. Okay. She, the, someone walked up to her and she was like, hi, would you like a print, a book of poetry or a t-shirt? <laughs> I looked at her like, oh God, that just hurt my insides. And she was like, what? Why? I was like, I just, 
I don't know. It just feels so dirty. You know, like the, the socialist, the socialist, like anti-capitalist in me was like, oh, oh God. Oh. And she was like, you have a lot of cancer bills. You should just let people buy your fucking merch. And I was like, uh, you're right. You want all three. You care. You, you want a, you want a, a print, a poster, a postcard. You want a book, get it all. You know? Uh, cause yeah, I had a lot of bills that merch helped me, um, pay. That's what's great about sometimes being an artist. Like if you stick around long enough, eventually you get uh, bigger paychecks and it's kind of amazing. And so yeah. that's what I've been trying to tell, a lot of my my artist friends that are feeling that they're stuck in the middle and they're not, yeah. you know, um, you know, wait it out. So many people tap out. You know? Sure. When everybody started moving, um, it was very sad, super sad, still sad about it. But part of me was like, well, maybe I'll get more gigs now. <laughs> like there was a time where I just, I, I everything started picking up. Yeah. Um, there was back in 2009, I had maybe two gigs a year. Mm-hmm. Now I have about, you know, when I'm really hustling, I have about maybe five paid shows a month. Mm. Um, that's a lot, which is really great. And that's then sometimes there's more. I've definitely yeah. had months where I've had like 15 to 10 shows, uh, which I'm really, really knock on wood grateful for. Mm-hmm. But part of me, you know, I'm such I have so much imposter syndrome and l- deep low self esteem. You know, Gen X or self esteem uh, like <laughs> low low self esteem that I'm like. Um, am I getting better at what I do or is it just that so many people are leaving the Bay area? They have no choice. <laughs> They're like, should we get this guy? No, he moved. What about this guy? She was evicted. What about this person? No, nah, they moved to Canada. I guess we'll book the fat Mexican again. And I'm just like, Hola. <laughs> you know, what do you need? What do you need? You need stand up. You need poetry. I'll do it. I'm here for all of you. But <laughs> I mean, I might even do burlesque if it pays, you know, it does. I mean, some of my friends do burlesque and it pays really well. And, uh, even though I have incredibly low body uh, self love, even though I work I work hard to try to not hate my body, it's so amazing that there's people out there that are like interested in it. Thank the gay gods for chubby chasers. Otherwise, I would never get laid. God bless them. Goddess has blessed them. Uh, if you are a hot, rich billionaire who is into fat Mexicans, talk to me after the show. I am here for you. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. Wow. <laughs> I usually say that during my shows as well, um, just in case. It's never worked. I'm just worried about, like, I think billionaires are all pretty evil. Oh, yeah, so totally. I, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If one of them wants to redistribute their wealth, that's what I meant. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, or at, I least mean my mo- at least buy my mother a house. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. 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 I just, cause someone asked me like, if I wanted to, you know, they're like, Oh, you're working so hard, you know, to be famous. And I was like, uh, pause. Yeah. I don't really think I want to be famous. Yeah. And they were like, why? And I'm like, cause literally like that shit changes you. Mm. And I see so many people just. Yeah. Not just change, but sometimes nothing they do works. One of my good friends is getting kind of famous. I'm not going to say who they are, but they said... Can you tell me after the show? I might. <laughs> they, they said one thing. I forgot what yeah. they did, but like it was completely misunderstood yeah. or miss... And everybody's like starting to hate them now because they're everywhere. Oh, no. They're everywhere. And 
I certainly have that fear, and it's not that my fears are paranoid. I was at a coffee shop like yeah. two years ago, and these two writers, who I won't name who they are, were behind me. They didn't know I was there. They were trying to curate a show, and yeah. they were like, who should we put in this poetry show? And they were like, definitely not that Baruch guy. I'm so tired of oh. seeing him everywhere. And I was like, oh, no, I'm getting J-Lo'd. <laughs> you know, like, everyone's tired of seeing me. Oh, no. But I haven't even, like quote-unquote made it yet so i want to like at least make it a little bit first before people start getting tired of me um which i hope people start don't start getting tired of me and if they do that's why i have a day job so you know i like to always have a plan b yeah you know and if and i think that's what that's why i like doing all the stuff i do because eventually if i ever get tired of performing i might just go back to painting yeah you know yeah i painted for a bit find a cabin somewhere and like paint watch porn at night wake up you know not a bad life have some yogurt paint some more you know i i could see myself being like that old guy in the cabin near the sea who just paints all day and is like come in young man <laughs> like my next model just comes in you know some 24 year old so i can paint them and then like okay shoo go away go away here's your money get out of here <laughs> you know buy my poetry book <laughs> oh that's you were a painter i used to yeah that's i painted amazing. once in new york yeah i didn't know that i just gave them away when i was clean moved a lot and i ended up just giving them away but i miss it like i miss making visual art i miss making art and that's that thing we're trying yeah. to find that the time, not not find the time, but make the time, mm-hmm. I think. And I definitely identify with a lot of what you've said in terms of, you know, getting older and not being able to go out as much mm-hmm. or having the energy to, and also just pick and choosing where I do decide to go and spend my time. Mm-hmm. So, and then also recognizing that there's maybe, I mean, maybe there are things happening, but it's, I think maybe there's not as much go and then uh, and like, what do I have the energy for and what do I yeah. decide to do? And like, I miss that a lot. Yeah. I started, to be honest, because I was like you, I, you know, painted and then I stopped and I felt so disconnected from it for years. And then sometimes it like hurt a little. I would see someone drawing and enjoying themselves and I would just get so sad. I'm like, oh, fuck, I really miss that. Yeah. But then I would try myself and because I was out of practice and I hadn't done it for so long, I had so much pressure. And if I sucked, I would get so mad Mm. thinking about all how, uh, oh, I'd be so good if I had never stopped. Finally, um... I uh, was in was in San Antonio and I was in a workshop on nonprofit art stuff Mm -hmm. that was really informative, really well done. But to me, I was so bored and to not die. I started doodling on this piece of paper and this woman sitting next to me saw it and just gave me the sketchbook she had in her backpack. She Mm. was like, here, here, draw something. And I was like, all right. So I just started drawing different things that she she was also bored. Yeah. She was like, draw a cat. And I like, drew a cat. And she just was like throwing random shit at me. Like, draw an Ewok. And I was like, an Ewok? So I drew an Ewok or like my version of an Ewok. And that was so relaxing. And it helped us pass the time that I just always started keeping a little notebook with me and doodling random shit. I mean, if you go to my Instagram, which I hope you all do, please follow me on Instagram. I have no Instagram followers. Um a lot of my earlier Instagram posts are just random doodles of spaghetti. One day I was bored and I was like, I'm going to draw spaghetti. <laughs> like no pressure though. Just had, I had no pressure to, you know, like I think that when that happens, I will stop tiny Baruch. Like mm. if I get to a point where tiny Baruch feels like a job and I have a lot of pressure to 
make them amazing, then I probably will have to stop because yeah. it's about me relaxing. Yeah. So I recommend you get yourself a little notebook and just next time we're about to go to sleep, just draw something fun for yeah. yourself. You know, fuck or, everyone else. Or don't something sh- from the day. Even. Don't even show it to anyone. Yeah. You know, I didn't. Sh- there's so much stuff that I draw that I don't show oh. anyone at all. You know, um, and I also do a lot of commission work and mm-hmm. a lot of it is... Um, I do portraits of genitals mm-hmm. to make a little bit of extra cash because the city is expensive. And a lot of those people don't want me to post it anywhere, especially uh, men do. Men love <laughs> having me post a picture of their dick on Instagram if they've paid me to do a portrait of it. Huh. When women pay me to do portraits of their vaginas or their wife's vagina, they're like, no. And I completely understand because the internet treats anything female-like horribly. Literally, a girlfriend of mine does vagina portraits as well and always gets flagged, always gets harassed, always gets... (sighs) I have so many dick portraits on my Instagram. I think I've only been flagged once in the years I've been doing this now. It's really, really funny how, you know double standard he is. I don't even know what the right word is. It's just bullshit. It's misogynistic bullshit. Yeah. Because I feel like everyone should be able to post all sorts of genitals on the internet. Absolutely. Especially if it's art, if it's a drawing and no one's getting hurt, you know? Blah. Yeah. Well said. (laughs) Dick drawings. Indeed. (laughs) The, 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 uh, what's it called? The, The holidays are coming up. I think, I hope I get to hope I get to have some commissions. Yeah. So again, so <laughs> folks can find you on Instagram. Yes. Uh, Baruch Borres Hernandez. Mm-hmm. That's uh, B-A-R-U-C-H. P as in Peter. O-R-R-A-S. Hernandez. That's it. That's just that Baruch Borres Hernandez. Great. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yay. Well, thanks so, for sharing so much with us. Thank you so much. Sorry that I was such a blabbermouth today. I just—it's so easy to talk to you, Roman. Oh, thanks. I've, I've heard that before. <laughs> it's good to have a meeting. You're a great listener. Before. Thank you. <laughs> well, I appreciate what what folks have to say, and I also just like appreciate being able to catch up with friends and also yeah. connect in this way. And I feel in the age of where there's so many like screens in front of us, and there's that it feels false in a lot of ways, like connecting that way like yeah. online. It's nice to talk to people in person and then to also just mm-hmm. hear conversations. Yeah. So we'll have this little capsule <laughs> of, of us for years from now. Yay. I, I sometimes do like hearing stuff I've been on. Um, even though I'm also definitely one of those people that doesn't like the sound of their voice on recordings, but I've also, you know, as an artist, you have to learn to get over that. Yeah. You know, along with many other you things. want to keep performing. Well, it's a thing know? too of like ego and like, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. Like as an artist, especially as a performing artist, where yeah. trying to run a, up against the, the narcissism, however, having, one has to have enough like self-confidence and self-assurance to put yourself out there, believe mm-hmm. that people want to hear what you have to say, mm-hmm. book things, advertise, etc. <laughs> promote, 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 promote. And then at the same time, like I also, <laughs> have that, you know, that low self-esteem where it's kind oh, of yeah. like, how do I balance the two? Yeah. And it's very difficult. Like I'm still trying to find ways to. It's a weird dance. Yeah. Some, a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in a while from high school was like, I just saw an advertisement for one of your shows, but it wasn't like a positive thing. I was like, Oh, you did. And uh-huh. she was like, and then I went into a bookstore and saw one of your books and I was like, uh-huh. uh-huh. And then she was like, and then I saw a poster with your face on it. You put your face on ev- like, She was like, you're everywhere. You must really love yourself. And I don't, I don't know if she was, if she knew she was sounding so, yeah. um, uh, harsh, mm-hmm. But she was like, I don't remember you having that much self-esteem. And I was like, bitch, I don't. I was like, what are you talking about? I have very low self-esteem. I don't do not love myself that much. But I also love what I do. Yeah. And so to 
keep doing that. I've mm-hmm. been told I have to promote myself. That's another thing I had to fucking learn, you know, from I'm still learning that. The yeah. Greats. Marga, I've learned so much from Marga. Mm-hmm. She's a genius when it comes to promoting herself. And I feel like with her, she doesn't like, I've never thought that she thinks she's hot shit. <laughs> just, it's just mm-hmm. every time I see her promote herself, it's just cause she's doing something fun and she wants her to join her. Right. That's right. how I feel when I see her stuff. And when I see her um, performances, speaking of performances, I would love to see you perform again someday. Thank you. Mr. Roman. One yeah. of my favorite memories of going to the open mics at the rest in peace, uh, brainwash cafe, which was such a wonderful space to me. I know a lot of people, you know, like to shit on that space, but I loved the brainwash cafe. I loved mm-hmm. going, but mostly cause I realized now I would go with friends yeah. or I would go on nights when I knew other queers were going to be there. And yes, I think you and yes. I went one night yes. and you did a, a set that was just so funny and mm-hmm. all the comics leading up to when you and I performed had been so homophobic. Yeah. You did a set kind of like responding to all the homophobic shit. The straight comics had done. Uh-huh. And it was hilarious i it was so funny to watch this you know sad little straight guy squirm because he knew all your jokes were calling him out and they were like on the spot they're very <laughs> they were landing i don't even remember i think i remember some of them um <laughs> it, was just, it was great and i i yeah so i miss you performing i miss Aww. seeing you do your thing especially at the queer open mic so hopefully i can see you come back someday yeah, i mean I but, like I, but you are performing right i mean you, just, you said you just did a show with jesus oh no i was jesus was here on this show oh okay uh, promoting uh his show down cool, at cool, san mateo cool. pride uh, center. However, I would like to get back into it. Yeah, I miss when you're it. Ready. Yeah, when you're ready. if there's any invitations out there, I would. <laughs> that's kind of you know, it's like having a deadline. It's right. like that kind of thing. Or if someone invites me to do something, uh-huh. then I'll I'll make it happen. Right, right, right. So I'll put that out into the universe. Yeah, tell the world. Yeah, <laughs> just how many how many dead Nazi jokes? I don't know. Hey, we all I mean, we all love that shit. That's uh, that's something I'm. You know, it's funny how other countries can do that. But here, there's so many white supremacies controlling the media. Supremacists controlling the media. Mm-hmm. We kind of can't do that. That's mm. so weird. That's really weird. That it's like, oh no, you might hurt a Nazi's feelings. That's the point. What? What? They don't have right? feelings. What? Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that is just. Uh, I never in my life thought that I would live in a country that is like. But you know, white supremacists have rights too. But I mean, that's the history of this country, uh, though. Unfortunately, yeah. which that we. True. I mean, a lot no, of us weren't you taught. are correct. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> but let's not end on a terrible. Don't want to end note. on a terrible. <laughs> Come to love in the time of piñatas. <laughs> Invite Roman to perform yeah. at your shows and pay him a lot of money because he is funny and adorable. Thanks, Baruch. Yay. I feel the same about you. Mwah. Mwah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll put on some music, some more. Me uh, amo uh, Sebastian, and uh, and we'll wrap up the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for being here. We can keep chatting while I uh, get this up and running. All right. All right. Uh, go. And here's a little bit more. And there we go.
esto sé que pensarás que soy un enfermo pero te prometí la ley de la sinceridad y aunque me da vergüenza espacial te quiero decir que el otro día justo al despertar con tus pecados rojas no pude esquivar un combo de felicidad fantaseé por un momento que si Bowser me mataba en su castillo no importaba más era perfecto que no buscaba más vidas extras ya sí. estrella de esas que hacen como That'll be it for today's show. Thanks again for listening in. Thanks to Baruch for being here. Uh, feel free to check out the archive at mutinyradio.fm. We've got shows going back the last few years. Also, if you'd like to support this show, we're collecting some funds to help pay the dues here at the station. Big thanks to the folks who do uh, chip in. You can go to patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. 
uh, for news and all that stuff, you can follow me on Twitter at R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R. And that'll be it. So thanks so much for listening. And this is we're broadcasting on Wednesday. So just uh, the November 20th. So keep that in mind when this is played again on Friday, November 20th. Okay. Have a great week, everyone. who doesn't sell your data, bind you down with contracts, or trick you with hidden monthly fees. We're honest, local. Claw Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Claw Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Terrace, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 95834. San Francisco Mutiny Radio San Francisco Mutiny Radio Listen to live streaming radio Or download a podcast And you can listen on the go Listen to live streaming radio Or download a podcast And you can San Francisco Mutiny Radio San Francisco Mutiny Radio MutinyRadio.fm Why not make a donation? MutinyRadio.fm Streaming live the station MutinyRadio.fm District of the Mission MutinyRadio.fm MutinyRadio.fm Listen to Or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. Look, why not go to mutinyradio.fm, hit the donate button, stream them live, download a podcast, have some fun! Gold Cadillac with the white material. And, and I started to do some thinking. I'm on the freeway and I'm having a really, really good time. I have a report here, Henry, from your, uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man.
I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch a Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020 coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. But you can apply now through November 30th. 50 shows in seven days, over 50 comics from all around the U.S., and you could be one of them. Go to the Mutiny Radio website, www.mutinyradio.fm. Click the Apply button. Pay that 20 bucks. Donate to Mutiny Radio and apply with your five-minute video to the Mutiny Radio 5th Annual Comedy Festival coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. Submissions close November 30th. Get those submissions in now. You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8 that's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! 499. Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship 
as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Tired of paying too much for your internet? Contracts and hidden fees got you down? Tired of supporting the same big cable companies that lobby against a free and open internet? Get Monkey Brains! Monkey Brains is a local internet provider who doesn't sell your data, bind you down with contracts, or trick you with hidden monthly fees. We're honest, local, and 100% net neutral. Residential internet for only $35 a month, business packages starting at $75 a month, Go to monkeybrains.net and sign up today. Asiento. Asiento. Take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays. Taco Tuesdays. First Wednesday, live jazz. Live DJs Thursday. Parties. The food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento.
find you sweet dreams that leave our world